Welcome to the Parent Points Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Cabot. The mission of this podcast is to help you, the parent, realize and accomplish this truth. You are the primary disciple maker of your child. I truly believe that this podcast only helps one parent grasp this and apply it to their home. It is 100% worth it. Parents, in this episode, we're going to be discussing our mindset as parents and as well as how to coach up your students in the mindset. Our guest calls this type of thing going to the mind gym. That's what he says in his podcast, and I can't wait for you to hear from him. But our guest is Colin Henderson. I'm going to tell you a little bit about who he is. Colin is the founder and CEO of Master Your Mindset, a leader in the field of mental conditioning. He's a former two-sport D1 athlete who overcame crippling anxiety to become a record-setting medical sales professional as well as a national sales trainer. He also now coaches audiences and thousands through his books, podcasts, and events. He's got training on mindsets, leadership, sports psychology, and utilized by some of the world's largest and most successful organizations and institutions. One thing that I like about him is that he uh, is a conditioning contributor to Russell Wilson, who plays for the Seattle Seahawks, let's go, uh, and uh, in the groundbreaking company that he has, Limitless Minds, who provide elite mindset training to the nation's top corporation. Colin just moved from the West Coast to Nashville. Uh, he uh, has great success. He's got uh, an incredible business, incredible platform, uh, but what he calls his greatest success it's his five children and his wife, Kendra, which is awesome because that's why we're inviting him here to the Parent Points Podcast. So, Colin, man, how are you doing? Good, Justin. Great intro, man. I love it. I'm doing so I'm, I'm fine. I'm excited to be here, man. Good. I'm so blessed and pumped to, to bring value. Yeah, awesome, man. I, I, listen, you are, I've had some, I've had some great guests on the podcast. I'm not going to lie. I have some great guests. But, man, I think you, your energy and just the, the content that you have, is so different than what we have on the podcast right now. And I just, I can't really can't wait to dive into this uh, here with you. So uh, here we go. Uh, I first discovered you, we were talking about pre-show through Chad Veach, right? I, I listened to Chad Veach Leadership Lean In and like, man, he talks about the leaners. Like, I wish I had a cool like audience name for my people. The leaners is so awesome. I mean, it's legit. Anyway, uh, you were on there and then you were just dropping some knowledge, some straight fire, just amazing wordplay. It was just incredible. And so I was impacted. I immediately followed you on Instagram, immediately just kind of got your books, got your stuff. Um, but man, I was really impressed by the fact that you come from this spot of mental fitness and, and really uh, how you uh, train your mind, but you also have a faith background. And so on this podcast, right, like we understandably, as you do, uh, follow Jesus and teach the ways of Jesus. And so one thing that we do here on this podcast that I ask every guest is why do you think parents and the church have gotten away from this discipleship process in the home? Like just some broad answer, but like, why do you think that it is so difficult for our parents in today's culture to disciple their kids? That's a good point. I think uh, parents need help right now. I mean, let's look at COVID this last year. Let's look at juggling work and business and all the other stuff going on. So I think a lot of times you're a parent, like we have five kids is you have so much stuff you're juggling there's certain parts of your life that you expect other people to take the lead on, you know, so if I drop them off at church, they go to youth group, 
you know, they do their small group. They're going to cover their bases. I got to focus on getting groceries and buying food and doing my job and exercising and going to that sporting event and that thing. We just don't have time to do it. So I think that's just basically just like your mental health, just like your health physically, just like your health spiritually, you got to take ownership. That's right. I think that's the number one thing is you get, you got to take ownership. So I think there's just, I think there's just so much stuff. Everyone's just kind of juggling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Great answer. Uh, Well, man, you speak a lot about as an athlete uh, and just kind of struggling with some of this mental stuff growing up playing high school and and college ball. Um, This parent, this, this podcast helps these parents think through this mental space. That's what I want to do in this episode. Uh, And you have a great resource called positive parenting. Now parents, if you can go on Amazon, go, go to Colin's website and just, order this book it is very it, it i love it because it's almost like the chapters are bite-sized like you could read one chapter right like very very briefly when you're waiting for your kids at car line or whatever but he writes in there a lot about how to mentally help shape your students and their mind and how to coach them and engage them so Colin, first i just want to ask you what pushed you to write that content for parents like why did you choose i mean out of all the books you could have written right like why did you choose to write a book specifically for parents I love that question, Justin. That the, really the the birthing of that idea was I, I was mentoring kids. So prior to consulting with Zillow, Nike, all these big companies, I would meet with kids at Starbucks at like six a.m. Or I'd meet them. I'd have like a small group coaching class where they'd pay like a small fee or a lot of stuff I'd do on my own for free, just because I, I knew how much I struggled with confidence and self belief. So I wanted to just to serve. And in the first few meetings, every single time I'd have a new group come in and we would talk about fear. Like no one ever talks about fear, how you deal with like self-doubt, worry and mistakes and failure. You know, in school, they teach us what to think. They don't teach us how to think. They, don't, they teach us about math, science and English, but they're not giving us like, how do I stop stopping myself? How do I stop comparing myself to others? How do I stop suffering from FOPO, fear of other people's opinions? So really, we don't really learn about fear. So I was going to really break down all my failures and how I learned about fear. And I'd ask the kids, when you make a mistake... Let's use sports as an example. When you make a mistake, make an error, strike out, drop a pass, get scored on, lose the game. Like, what do you, what are you worried about? You're 13, you're 14, you're 15. Like what, what what are you worried about? Like what's the, what's the number one source of that fear? And over like a stretch of like a year, I kept hearing the same answer over and over again. And so I got curious. So I sent out a survey to kids and I got all these answers back. And what do you think the number one answer was? What do you think the number one answer that kids worry about? after the game's over or during a mistake? Well, listen, I read the book, so I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, parents listening. So here's a question, parents. If your kid is in the room and they know their answers will not be shared, what would they say? Mm. What's your big, like, what are you thinking about when you make a mistake? The, the research I, is like, like over 60% of kids say like they're worried about their parents, what their parents think. They're mm. worried about that car ride home. They're worrying about, you know, well, Johnny, we talked about your launch angle. We worked on this in the batting cage and you didn't do it. Like, so they're just worried about what their parents are saying. Mm-hmm. I would equate it to this, this conditioning is very similar to Pavlov's dog. When Pavlov, a scientist would jingle a bell with the dog and then he would give it something to eat. Every time that dog would hear a bell ring, it would associate food to the bell so he was conditioned to his mouth would salivate. Right. So I think kids start to condition performance mm-hmm. like sh- with like shame and fear mm-hmm. and like self-worth. So I like to say, hey, champions are born and then unmade. 
<clears throat> champions are born in man. There's champion every child, but for some reason, parents and adults are ruining because the research shows that seven out of 10 kids quit sports by the age of 13. Wow. So, so what I recognize is we're giving kids all of these tools. And if I'm doing a parent workshop, I'll say, parents, how many coaches or teachers, mentors have your kids had in their young life? You know, 18 or under, 15 under, 10 under. And they're like, 10, 50, 100, 500, you know. It's like, awesome. Do you expect your kid to be coachable? They're like, yes. Okay. You expect your kids to, to do the work and you get better? Yes. Well, how many coaches have you had mm. to be the best parent you can be? That's right. To have empathy, to listen, to learn. So it's like, you know, parents, you know, what's more important, your relationship with your child or how many points they score or mm. how many fill in the blank. So what I've, I notice is kids are getting coached, but parents aren't getting coached. That's right. So I felt like it's kind of like we have a, we have a, we have a son and four uh, daughters and my son Baylor loves Legos and he builds this Lego set. And if you know, he's not looking, our youngest daughter Memphis, for whatever reason, we call her the uh, Kraken, like the, like the monster. The yeah, Kraken. Right. She's, she's cute, but she's vicious. Um, <laughs> She, she will destroy that set if it's like, like she just, I don't know how she likes to just destroy stuff. <laughs> so it's like, we're building these kids up with all these tools on like self-talk, self-worth, confidence, skills, how to have the right, you know, behaviors, habits, routines. And then the parents don't hear this stuff mm-hmm. and the kids go home and the parents are evaluating the wrong stuff. The only, they're, they're only evaluating outcomes, they're mm-hmm. only evaluating the result instead of how is your attitude? How is your effort? Mm. present the moment did you trust your plan were you being coachable mm. so it's like well we can't just give kids the tools we have to give parents tools too that's right that's right and i love that how you ended that because that's my next question you know uh, i heard one thing that you saw, said on that leadership podcast that i want to kind of talk about is that as parents right i have two daughters and, and my my firstborn is she's just turned two so i'm starting to see she's kicking the ball around she's starting to do some fun things and you say that as parents, we should praise or affirm controllables, not results, right? And so if, let, me, let me see if I'm saying this right. So if my daughter, she grows up to play soccer, right? Um, and say she gets selected to be captain of her soccer team, right? I should affirm her work ethic and not necessarily the fact that she became captain, right? Because if she loses that, then she thinks her worth is tied to that. So could you explain that relationship and why that is so powerful to praise, you know, the controllables and not necessarily the outcomes? Yeah. So I say process over outcome. Okay. Mm. Standards and, and values over outcomes. Cause you can't control outcomes. You can't control results. You can't control what their team does. You can't control what the umpire rep does. You can't control what the other coach does. You can't control what I call your ACE your attitude, your concentration, and, and your effort. Mm-hmm. So let's say your daughter plays soccer, and what if you said, or your 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 parent, their grandparent says, I don't know her name, what, what, what's her name? Shiloh. Sh- Shiloh. So Shiloh, if you score a goal, we're going to take you out to get ice cream. <laughs> so, so she gets fired up, and she wants to start scoring goals, so she scores a goal. She feels good. She goes and gets ice cream, so she's rewarded for an outcome. But what happens on the game she doesn't score a goal? Right. She's not seeing students using ice cream. So mm. I get praised when I, when I get an outcome. I'm not praised if I, have, uh, if I respond in a good way or mm. if I have great body language or if I'm a kind teammate. You can't control outcomes. That's right. So you're, you're inadvertently creating anxiety in performance mm. and outcomes for that child by only praising an outcome. Mm. 
And then what I, and then you can see the, the mental toughness in the kid, or you can see the culture within a team right away, because after a mistake, look at where their head goes. I mm. call these bleaker, uh, I call these bleacher peakers. So the moment something goes wrong, are they turning over to look at the parent or if something goes right, they're turning mm. over to look at the parent and seeing what, what the parent's doing. Mm. So we want to teach our kids to be coachable, lock in the moment. I'll give you two examples. One example so maybe I'll ask you, Justin, who's the highest paid baseball player? Oh, I don't know. Mike Trout? Mike Trout. So Mike Trout, they ask his parents, hey, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Trout, what type of environment could you create to, you know, help raise arguably one of the best players ever for the game, the highest paid player in the history of the game? Parents, you want your kids to be a good performer, you know, whatever sport they're in? Okay, <laughs> let's, let's listen to what the, the parents said. The parents said, that's a great question, well, we made it a point early on. If Mike went five for five with five home runs or 0 for five with, with five strikeouts, we did not care. Mm. All we did was evaluate how were, how were you as a teammate and how was your effort? Mm. So Mike Trout wasn't afraid to fail. He did not associate work tied to outcomes. Mm. Now I'll give you another one. Uh, when you look at like one of the, the most clutch players in basketball, like one of the most ferociously mentally tough other than MJ, who, who would you say? Probably Kobe. Kobe, the Mamba. So, so Kobe was on a podcast with, with my dude, Lewis House. And Lewis like, Kobe, where'd this Mamba mentality get started? Like, you're ferocious. You're known as one of the most competitive clutch performers of all time. And Kobe said, well, my mindset was shaped at an early age. He said, my dad played basketball in Europe. You know, he played in, in the NBA and then he played basketball in Europe for a few years. He came back to Philly when I was 11 years old. And my first year back in Philly, it was that summer. And I played in my first ever summer, my first ever basketball league in, in the United States. He said, guess what? I didn't score one point all summer. All these people knew my dad. They knew me and it was embarrassing. I'm just trying to get respect. I'm trying to be like fit in. I scored no points that last game. I was like, dear God, please can I score one bucket? He scored none. He said, but my life changed in that moment. He said, after the game, my dad put his arm around me, who I idolized, who was a former NBA player. And he says, Kobe, if you score zero points or 60 points, I don't care. Mm. I'm going to love you this. I'm going to love you the same way. Let's go. And Kobe said, boom! In that moment, the Mamba mindset was born because he said, you know what? I didn't fear failure. There you go. I wasn't afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. And just that support made me want to work harder. So I busted my butt that, that off season and I dominated the next year because I had this focus and this drive and it was intrinsic, not extrinsic. Mm-hmm. So if the drive is coming from an external force, like fear or, um, you know, the parents making them do it, or they're like bribing, like you can't sustain that. Right. If the kid doesn't love it, whether it's band, music, choir, chess, drama, uh, fill in the blank, dancing, it doesn't matter what it is, coding, esports, it has to, or, you know, loving Jesus and wanting to make that your, your career. Like if you're making them do it, it's not going to work. Right. That's good. That's good. That's so strong, man. That, I mean, like I get fired up just hearing about that. I just... I'm ready to roll right now, but, <laughs> um, well, man, one thing I, I want to make sure we touch on is one thing that you put in your book, uh, positive parenting and it's the, it's the breath method, right. Or the, yeah, the breath method. And I just want to really, uh, 
see if you could share that with us, with our, with our parents, right? Because like, I think, you know, whether it comes to sports or not, or anxiety in the classroom, right? We have, we have kids all over the place on that spectrum, but they all breathe, right? And that's one thing that I love about your method is that it is so applicable to anybody. And so I didn't mind, I was just going to ask you if you didn't mind to share kind of that method with our parents so they can kind of help their kid kind of go through this as well. What if I upgrade you and we upgraded now to the best method? The best method. I'm down. Let's do it. It's very similar. We just we just made it fewer steps. Love it. So as much as I love that book, Positive Parenting, it's only 76 pages. So you know, uh, it's not a lot. It's like you said, it's a simple read, easy read. I just put together some thoughts just together to organize my thinking as a parent. What I've what I was observing when I was coaching youngsters. But my newest book, Quiet Mind, and Quiet Mind for Kids is dropping September 14th. That's right. So we've, we've simplified the process. We now teach, I say we, I have a little team under me, but we, we teach what we call the best method mm. to be the best version of you, to unlock your best, to find your best in new environments, in environments of challenge, in environments of adversity, in environments of change, in environments when you're succeeding and it kind of feels weird. <laughs> so I was like, what do you do? Well, to be your best, you have to do the best method. It's these four steps. So the first one is when you notice your heart rate elevating, you notice you're in a new environment. B stands for breathe Mm -hmm. is to find your breath. So it's so obvious and people miss this, but we don't teach our kids how to breathe the right way. Mm -hmm. So what I want to challenge every parent is check out the book uh, breath by James Nestor. Mm -hmm. So we got to be watchful. Is your kid a mouth breather? If your kid's breathing through their mouth, they're getting too much oxygen and they're burning fuel. They're burning so much fuel. We want to breathe through our nose. And if you're breathing through your mouth, you're opening yourself up to, to, to sickness. I mean, your, your nose were, were made to breathe. Your mouth was built to eat. Mm. So oftentimes we get nervous. We get what's called shallow breathing and we actually speed up our breathing and that's inviting more oxygen. What we need is more CO2. More oxygen is telling our muscles, our brain, our blood, fight, fight, freeze high. There's a line coming. I, you know, I need all this stuff. Where if we get CO2, it means rest. I'm mm-hmm. safe. And, and that slow exhale signals your subconscious brain you're not in danger. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, if you watch baseball, for example, you'll see most hitters in, in between each pitch. They'll do their routine. They'll find a spot in their barrel and they'll take a slow, deep breath to center themselves or a pitcher or a gymnast or Fill in the blank. Music. Finding your breath is you're right in the present moment. So we want to teach our kids to put their hand on on their their diaphragm and to breathe low and wide, low and wide, through through, through the bottom of their belly, all up to the top of their lungs, through their nose. So I call it creating a six to eight breath. Breathe in for six, hold for two to the top of the lungs, and breathe out for eight. Mm. So we can practice a breath. These are called six to eight breaths. So uh, parents do this while you're driving, doing the dishes, you know, uh, on a walk, you know, with your kids in their car. Let's just practice finding our breath and doing a six to eight breath. Let's breathe in through our nose. Two, three, four, five, six. Hold for two, two. Out for eight. All the way out. All the way out. And when you slowly exhale, just feel your shoulders drop. Feel, just do a quick body scan where you're exhaling, just unlock tension, tightness in your body. So step one we can do right now is let's find our breath. Uh, Here's a a trivia, Justin. Who was the MVP in the NFL last year? Oh, man. It wasn't Lamar. It wasn't Lamar. I don't remember who it was. I'm talking talking the NFL. Yeah, the NFL. 
Yeah, it wasn't Jackson. It wasn't Jackson. It wasn't Lamar. No, guess again. He did ball out, but he can't. He hasn't won the postseason yet. Oh, that was uh, was it Peter Holmes? Patrick Holmes? No, it was Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, dude, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Aaron Rodgers balled out. So Aaron Rodgers says his number one tactic to get control of his mind, his number one tactic to calm his nerves, are slow, deep breaths. So you focus on your focus on your breath. This is called thought replacement. You're focusing on breathing instead of all the negative stuff that that could happen. It's like blocking out negative stuff to come in. So just by finding your breath, it keeps you centered, and your breath is always present. You have to get in control of yourself before you control your environment. Mm. So the breath is that first tool. The bigger the moment, the bigger the breath. Mm. So let's just practice finding our breath. That's mindfulness. You can use. The Calm app, the OK. I mean, th- th- there's performance psychology. I think sometimes in religion we hear to meditate, people think like, you know, Eastern religions. That's not right. Eastern religion. Like Jesus would go be, be alone with himself with God for hours. He needs to go be alone with himself. That's just mindfulness and just being centered, being clear, just being alone with yourself. Mm-hmm. Being alone to, to, listen to, to, to listen to God's voice. So to be still, just practice breathing, right? Okay. Step one that's best, but be your best is let's, let's find a breath. Let's find a breath. Now we're moving to the E, which is to envision. Mm. So remember I talked about fear. Right. Oftentimes when we get anxiety, stress, anxiousness, uh, the brain is catastrophizing the future. It's doing this like checklist of all the bad things that that could happen. So anxiety is like future based. What if, what if, what if? And I like to ask anybody I'm training this question, Justin, what percent of human thoughts are negative? Oh, I've heard you say this. It, it's something crazy, like 80% or something. It's over 80. 80%. That's 80%. Four of, yeah, four out of five. And then, and then not, 95% of human thoughts are reoccurring. Mm. So you're basically reliving trauma and you're pre-living failure. You're all the worst, the bad stuff. So if you're creating this like negative cycle, what your brain is picturing. So... Mm. The brain, if you look at you know, how the brain operates, that thinks in four dimensions. The first dimension, Justin, are the words that we say or hear. These words that we see or hear create a picture in our mind. And these pictures that we see in our mind influence emotions that we feel. And these emotions that we feel form in beliefs that influence our identity, our, our actions, our behaviors, and how we perform. So if, if we're creating negative pictures in our mind, your, 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 your cells have memory. Your, your, your brain has this, 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 this memory that we're holding on to. It's called your brain's creating neural pathways, mm. these mental grooves. And the brain cannot tell the difference between a real and imagined event. Mm. So a lot of people, you know, it's this phrasing I say that, that everything happens twice, first in our mind, then in real life. Oh, that's good. So when, you're, when you're saying don't mess up on my test. Don't say something stupid in front of my friends. Don't drop the pass. Don't strike out. Don't miss the shot. Don't miss the kick. Don't mess on my dance recital. You're just commanding your, if your brain's made, you're commanding your subconscious to act out those things that you don't want. Mm. So, um, you know, you mentioned one of the greatest clutch performers of all time. His name is Russell Wilson from Seattle. Let's go. So all this, all this is orchestrated. It's all by design. So, so what he does is we, he creates a, a, an image of like where he's going to play. He sees the stadium, he sees, you know, the defense and he goes through the hotel and how they're going to get to the field. Like he just does this walkthrough in his mind and, and he creates language of what he's going to say to himself. 
I'm built for this. I am here. Believe. This is all by design. So he wants to see what he wants. So the question is, is do you focus on what you want or what you don't want? Mm. How simple is that one? Mm. So I, I teach this stuff to my kids, man. So my, my oldest son, Baylor, is just really this last spring was his first year playing baseball. COVID kind of, you know, we didn't do anything during COVID. Right. He played a little bit when he was six. Uh, he's, he's eight, he was eight this year in baseball. And the first two weeks of the season after practice, we were in Palm Springs. We missed the first two games. So we come back and I said, Baylor, what I want you to do is just close your eyes and imagine. Imagine yourself with the bat in your hand. Imagine yourself at the plate. Imagine seeing your pitch. It was coach pitch. Imagine, you know, coach Matt throwing you that pitch you'd like. And just imagine and feel as if you're already there, that ball hitting the bat and just, just practice daydreaming and just envisioning and daydreaming, mm. imagining yourself just hitting the ball. So he was getting mental reps. And with our first game, uh, we got there and there was some like break in the warm up. My son Baylor puts his helmet on, puts bangles on, goes up to the batter's box while the coach is dragging the field. He's closing his eyes. He's getting mental reps. Oh, wow. I didn't tell him to do that. Mm. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? His first pitch of the year. It's a line drive back up the middle. Just hits a laser beam. Nice, nice. And I'll say my, my son is, he's probably average skill level, average skill level. Right. So, and then, and then later that year, one of, one of his teammates, his buddies couldn't hit the ball at all. He's like, dad, we should teach him. <laughs> we should teach him how to imagine. He goes, dad, we should teach him how to imagine. Like you have the secret sauce, man. So we went up to George and we talked, we told George how to imagine. Mm. And these are eight-year-olds, man. Yeah, that, that was my next question. Imagine. Yeah, that was my next question about so, the age. So, so, so I, I was I was coach pitch, right? So I, then I now I started coaching. So this was like the next. There was like a summer league, so we played like in spring of the summer league. And my my son loved baseball, and George would hit the ball, and we taught him before every at bat on deck, close his eyes and imagine. To and the best one is envision, but just kids can understand imagine better than vision. Right. You say envisioning means to imagine, just to close your eyes. Well, in psychology realm, they call it imagery or to visualize. There's a lot of science behind this. Like it's it's validated. Right. Um, George is starting to hit lasers mm. because because when you take a ball or bat out of the equation, you get a perfect rep. Mm. There's That's no outcome. Key. Yeah. So like Drew Brees would his Saturday night routine was he he'd visualize his like top ten plays in his mind right you look at look at lebron james mm-hmm. he, he he would uh there's videos of him you know on twitter and um you know on reels instagram where he has no basketball he's on the block working on his post moves and like doing his doing his his post move game because you right. if you remove the ball you get a per rep in baseball they call it doing shadow bullpens when you remove the ball out of your hand you get to get perfect reps so the brain can tell the difference between what is imagined and what is real. Right. So you can completely condition your mind to get to see the outcomes you want. And then it's stored in the same spots in your brain that stores memory. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Oh, wow. So what were the first two steps? Just so breathe, breathe, right? Yeah. Find your breath. The bigger the moment, the bigger the breath. The E, envision, imagine. Envision. Get the perfect rep in with that. Take the ball out of the hand. You get the perfect outcome, right? Yeah. You get to see what you want before it yeah. happens. And you get to right. create, you create a mental roadmap for your subconscious, for your conscious brain to just let go and just, I've already seen this before. Mm. Now, now S 
is to anchor your imagination with self-talk. See, this is key right here. This is what I think. I think this is like one of the things that you talk about the most that, that I love is just this self-talk specifically when it relates to students and kids. Okay. So, so what we say to ourselves, mm-hmm. Justin has 10 times the power versus what other people say to us. That's crazy. 10, ten times, 10 times. Mm-hmm. And there, there's research out of, out of Georgetown that, that published, if it's negative, it's four to seven times more powerful than, than if, it, if it's positive. Dang. So pre-performance, are you talking yourself into failure or are you talking yourself into greatness by mm-hmm. how, what, you're, what you're verbalizing? So let's throw some, some more numbers at you. 70% of human beings suffer from what is called imposter syndrome. I'm an imposter. I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm too young, too old, not big enough, not, not talented enough because the brain's hardwired for negativity. So how do we override this? by practicing productive self-talk, how you speak mm. to yourself. But let's, let's look at some, some examples. Who has the most medals of all time? Gold medals? Uh, Who has the most medals in the Olympics? Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps was on camera asking him where he gets his confidence. He says, every time I would walk through a doorway, I'd give myself an affirmation. Mm. I'm a champion. No one outworks me. I dominate the water. I'm, I'm made to win gold. I'm, I'm 6'4", wingspan, like he's convincing himself why he belongs. And some people call that cocky. I said, no, that, that's confidence. Mm. Why would you beat yourself up and say how, how crappy you are? Now, he, now, he's not telling other people. He's telling this to himself. Right. So confident inside, humble outside. Oh, that's good. And, and that would help influence, again, the brain thinks in four dimensions. Mm-hmm. Words influence pictures we see, emotions that we feel, and beliefs that we hold on to. And our beliefs run our life. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're talking ne- negative about yourself, you're going to manifest and attract more negative things. If you can Im- improve your inner lang- your internal language. So the question is, is, I'll ask kids, who is your best friend? And they'll think about it. And I'll say, well... Would you still be best friends with them if they spoke to you the same way that you speak to yourself? Mm. No one speaks to you more than you speak to yourself. That's right. You want some more examples? Who is the greatest female tennis player of all time? Serena Williams. Serena. Serena has a confident self-talk ritual. When she changes sets, she looks at three things. She writes down two process goals, like move my feet, quiet head. And then the third thing is she reads her affirmations. Mm. I did not know that. So wait a second. Hmm. The greatest Olympian of all time does this. Oh, the greatest female tennis player of all time does this. Interesting. But you're, you're not willing to to do that work to write down Mm -hmm. some, some, what I call you these I am statements. Right. And these, this powerful self-talk of like who you are, that you've had success before. Um, A former Navy SEAL. Uh, who used to do ultra, ultra marathons, used to have the, the pull-up record. And one day, his name is David Goggins. He calls this going to your cookie jar. Going to your mental cookie jar. Mm. On, I've had success before. I'm, I'm credible with, with my self-talk because I've put in the work and I have a checklist I've written it out, just like how you pre-plan meals, pre-plan your thought life, pre-plan your thoughtmosphere, what you're going to say here. So we call this developing your internal advertising campaign. Just like brands would advertise why they should buy their product, will advertise why you belong and why you're going to have success. You've earned the right because mm. you, you put in the work. 
Right. And you have what we call these anchor statements, just like how an anchor holds a ship, you know, at sea, you know, grounded, centered. If there's no anchor, it's going to drift off away because of wind, because of, of waves. That's where our focus goes because we're not locked in. Like, write down some anchor statements. Mine are, I say, I'm authentic, I'm present, I'm courageous. Mm. That's what I tell myself. I decide who I'm going to be. And I, I say it, we become what we think about most of the time. Mm. So parents... Have your kids write down three anchor statements. Mm, that's right. That's going to anchor their performance and to focus on who they are, not who they aren't. Because right. the brain's going to want to go negative. And if you're that parent that's super negative, only talks about outcomes or only talks to them when they make a mistake, how you speak to your child becomes their self-talk. Mm. Champions are born and then unmade. Mm. So how are you speaking to them? Whatever you evaluate, they're going to be micromanaging how they, how they evaluate. And they're going to be looking to the bleachers every 10 seconds. That's not what we want. We want them to take ownership, have independence, to take control of their performance, not, not make you do it. Now, mm-hmm. the, last, the last one. So we got three. What are they? Three, envision, self-talk. What do you think the last one is, T? T? Mm, I have no clue, man. Uh... I don't want to say think because I feel like that's really basic, but I don't know. <laughs> okay, so we got breathe. Right. When you slow down, when you slow down your breathing, it, it takes control of your focus, your energy. It slows down. It tells your body we're getting out of the sympathetic nervous system and into the parasympathetic, which is like rest, like present. You know. Gotcha. E is we're going to visualize things we want, no, we don't want. S is self-talk. Research shows the number source of confidence comes from self-talk. And then T is to be thankful. Mm. If the only prayer you said was thank you, that would be enough. Mm. Give, give, give thanks to God. Give thanks to you know, your health to be here. That just centers you. Uh, really, the foundation of resilience is gratitude and optimism. really mm-hmm. is. But what the research shows is research um, from Cal Davis, um, from Dr. Emmons. A daily gratitude routine lowers cortisol, which is the stress hormone by like 26 percent wow uh it's been shown gratitude to lower um your own blood pressure it boosts your immune system research out of pen shows that daily practice of gratitude lowers depression and anxiety duke found research that optimists uh are more successful make more money are more resilient and win more in business and win more in sports wow so this gratitude is like just giving thanks because if, if you're up, up to bat and thinking, I have to get in it, I have to perform well or else, you know, I'm, I'm not loved or I'm not worthy. It's hard to be good. If mm. you go up there and say, I'm so grateful to be here. I'm not defined by this. This is a get to, not a have to. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my coaches. I'm grateful for my teams. I'm grateful I get to have cleats. I'm grateful I get to, you know, let's lower our threshold. I say, hunt the good stuff. So parents, do you model that at home? Mm. So, so we play a game every day called, depending on, on the meal, happy breakfast or happy lunch or happy dinner, where every kid goes around and says one thing that makes them happy. Then we count to three and say, one, two, three, happy. <laughs> we like pound the table, you know? I love it. Um, and, and we also practice giving compliments to everyone on the table. And then each kid gives a compliment about themselves, what they love about themselves. Wow. You know, and we have a, a phrasing in our house. We have a, a family slogan, which is Henderson's help. So I asked my kids, kids, what do Henderson's do? Like help. 
And I asked them one question after school every day. Most parents ask their kids, you know, how, how was your day? Did you eat your lunch? What did you do? We ask our kids, who'd you help today? Mm. Because, because gratitude can be, you know, it's a feeling um, through words and through, through actions. We service is, is, is gratitude and an action, mm-hmm. you know? So if we can turn our mind to be grateful, it's hard to be hateful, bitter, anxious, and feel joy, love, and gratitude at, at the same time. Mm. Yeah. So um, I, I want to just read a, a, few, a few scriptures for you, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. About the power of the mind. Before I do that, what of those four do you think kids need or parents could do a, a better job at? So I think for me, when I think about, you know, we're, I'm going to ask you this question. I think, you know, man, just with the rise of an anxiety and depression in, in kids and students, I think the biggest thing, man, is self-talk. I feel like I'm talking to kids or parents are emailing me about their kids nonstop about how their kid is just like thinking, man, everybody hates me or I don't like this or people don't like me for this or I'm not good at this or I can't do this or I'm not going to be successful in the classroom. I mean, I'm not going to have any friends. And they just repetitively beat themselves up in their mind because they're saying these things about them that nobody is actually saying out loud. And I think for me, that's for students specifically, that's like the one that we got to, I think we got to help them kind of dive deeper into is that self-talk and how they talk to themselves. Well, how are they talking? How are the parents talking to kids? How do the, are the kids mm. watching them talk and say out loud? Are they negative Nancy's and just talking about all the bad stuff? Mm. You know? So I think we can model that. We have what's called mirror neurons in our brain. We model and mirror what we see. Kids do what you do, not just what you say. So we should have, we should have great language. We should be praising the right things. Um, we should have compassion. You know, mm. um, one, of my, one of my friends, his name is Yogi Roth. He's the voice of the Pac-12 network football. And he says, when an athlete makes a mistake, you have 10 seconds. Mm. You can yell at them to make yourself feel better, or you can use language to lift them up. Mm. That's all done by the words that, that you choose to use. Right. So let's look at process things like how's your effort and attitude? How's your focus? You can't right. control outcomes. You right. You can't. Okay. So I got a, a few scriptures, man. People are like, well, is this stuff in the Bible? This stuff is all over the Bible. Let's okay, go. Let's look at Proverbs 4.23. Be careful about what you think. Your thoughts run your life. What about Proverbs 23.7? As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. What about Mark 9.23? Anything is possible to the one who believes. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And my favorite verse is Romans 12, verse 2. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's right. It starts with the mind, man. Dude, Mm. God and Jesus, all I talked about. David, I mean, who was? I mean, you're talking about thoughts and the power of language all the time. The power that the the mind has. Right. Mm. Mm. So, Colin, one thing that you talk about, specifically geared towards students, right? And specifically geared towards kids. As in your book, you say, according to the Child Mind Institute 2015, the mental health report, anxiety and depression are treatable, but 80% of kids with a diagnosable anxiety disorder and 60% of kids with a diagnosable depression are not getting treatment, which is just mind-blowing to me. Um, So I just wanted to ask you, you know, we have, you know, students that I know, like, personally, that are walking through this, that are are in this, why do you, let me ask this question, 
instead of asking why you think it's so bad, let me ask this question. How do we help parents engage their student to go through this? Because, you know, I think so many times, you know, parents do the, that's not my kid thing where it's like, Oh, your kid. Well, that's not my kid or, Oh, my kid doesn't struggle with depression or that that's not, they're not going to be looking at that or doing this, but they never like want to lean into what is happening in their home and under their roof and with their kid. And so with this, you know, anxiety and depression, how do parents lean into this? How do they have conversations with their student about this stuff? Yeah. I mean, anxiety is the number one mental health concern in teens and adults. Let's look mm. at that. Um, so the wording I said, man, if you're not doing something proactively, you are being negligent. That's the word I'm using. We're being mm -hmm. negligent. Just like, you know, uh, years ago in football, um, I remember, you know, in Pop Warner in high school, we had to watch a video on how to tackle with our, our, our head up because players are getting paralyzed. Now with like head trauma, CTE, you can't play unless you're properly trained how to, how to tackle appropriately and then you watch videos. Well, with the data on depression, suicide, anxiety, if we're not prehabbing proactively talking about these things, we're being negligent right? as adults. So we need to remove the stigma. We need to normalize and have conversations and create space where seeing a counselor or a therapist is like going to see a physical therapist. Right. And with the advent of cell phones, the brain cannot compute and process all this information. It can't. All right. So we're, we're playing with fire. And if we're not practically having some, some systems and some protocols where it's safe to ask for help, it's safe to check in. That's on the adults. And right. I would check the, I would check the adults. Are you asking for help? Cause parents need help too. Parents are stressed. Mm -hmm. Parents are anxious. So it's interesting. Uh, and I mentioned talking to, to chat about this, you know, as I travel the country in, in New York and LA, dude, people brag about their therapists. Exactly. I had the best therapy session or I had the best, you know, counseling session with my uh, pastor talking about like marriage, marriage support. But some parts of the country, no one wants to talk about because right. they're insecure mm -hmm. or they think there's something wrong. But like the data is so evident and so clear. And it's like if, if you're just going to feed your body with garbage and junk food and process, you're going to be sick. You're going mm -hmm. to be healthy. So if we're constantly filling our brain with like negativity and only watching the news and scrolling through Instagram and being around negative people, and we're not going to do something about it, not creating some new lifestyle habits of mental health and well-being, mm. then we're going to suffer. So a, a simple analogy I like to say is, you know, Justin, in the 1950s, if I said I'm going on a run, people would say, are you getting chased? <laughs> Like no one, jogging wasn't normal until like the 80s, like 70s, 80s, 90s. Now people run all the time. I mean, my neighbor, I see people running 24-7. Right. In the 70s, if I said, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave my house. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. I'm going to spend $4 at a barista and get some coffee. Like, well, you got Folgers at home. What, what, what do you mean you're going to go see a barista? Now, like people go to Starbucks every day. Mm. Now in the 2020s, if you said, I'm going to get some mental a performance help. We want people to say, oh, that's completely normal. Right. You know, I, I work with a, a therapist or a counselor or a, a licensed professional or a mindset coach or proactively not waiting for a problem. We say, you don't need to be sick to get better. I'm proactively just working with, on a mindset program, our, our, um, our select volleyball team has, is partnered with an organization where we're giving uh, what's called SEL, social emotional learning support, where I can manage failure can ma and manage my emotions. Whereas schools, school districts who I, I partner with, I have curriculum called Mastery Mindset 
social, emotional, mental wellness training, where we're mm. giving these things in classes called advisory. Once a week, they're getting a new lesson. Mm. So let's not wait for a problem. We need to be proactive, but we need to take more ownership. That first question you asked me early on in the podcast is we're just waiting for someone else to do it. That's right. Yep. So as, as parents, number one is you need to have some systems to get yourself right. And it's okay to ask for help. Asking for help is a sign of strength. Right. When you twist your ankle, there's no shame going to see a doctor. When you're going through some stress, burnout, overwhelm, asking for help is no different. Mm, that's good. That's good. Well, Colin, I want to I want to respect your time, and I want to I want to make sure we get you out of here on time. I want to I want to just ask you to give us a quick little sales pitch of your new resource coming out on September 14th. I've pre-ordered it. I'm ready to go. I can't wait. I got two kids at home. I can't wait to read through their kids' book and try to figure out how to implement that in our family and read the adult side. Share share with us a little bit about that resource you got coming out on the 14th. Yeah, let's just start by asking questions, man. Start by asking questions. Is, is what holding your child back, is it lack of talent? Mm-hmm. Is it lack of physical skills? Or is it something like lacking of being in the present moment or lacking confidence or um, the moment's too big? Well, working harder doesn't guarantee success. That's what I try to do. I try to work harder and it actually went backwards. So as we talk about prehabbing, look at this phrasing. The biggest growth potential is not physical, but mental. Mm. The body has limits, but the mind is limitless. If we can win the inner game, we can dominate the outer game. But most parents, teachers, they're not trained on this stuff. And the history of telling someone to calm down, no one's ever calmed down. (laughs) So we want our kids to be more resilient, mentally tough, confident, and focused. And let's use the word clutch. But we give them no resources on how to do it. We as parents don't know how to teach it. We just yell at them and why don't you do that? And that's just creating more, more problems. Right. So I have two resources. One is called Quiet Mind. It's a book for adults. Really, it's t- tools to a guide to, to, to lower nerves and create confidence. It's a really a, a guide to turn down the noise and create this consistent peak performance. I give you a mental conditioning system. And I have a book called Quiet Mind for Kids. We teach the best method. We, I use a character named Ray, who really, I tell my story of, of, of stuttering, you know, early in my, in my childhood, like in grade school, that, you know, I, over years as an adult, I overcame it. But I, I, we give you that best method and through a story. And then there's a, a fillable journal on the back of the book where they can build their quiet mind plan. And then there's a mental conditioning script that you can read over your kids. Wow. So go to Amazon right now and order it. You can prime it. Um, the book is available on April 14th, or if you get this, you can pre-order um, by April 10th. I thought it was going to September. Did I say April? I'm sorry, April. What, what day is it, bro? Is it, what month yeah, is it? Is it? Today is September 7th, bro. It's September 10th, you can pre-order it, and the book launches on September 14th. So, like, right. in a week, in a week, in a week. Yeah. That's my bad. Hey, I need to, I need, I need to quiet mine, brother. <laughs> well, Colin, man, before I let you go, where can parents find you? What's your website? What's your social media handles? So, where they can yeah. get content and all that. Yeah you, yeah, you can. Well, first of all, you can check out Master Mindset Podcast, where all podcasts are found. You can hit me up on um, on Instagram at Colin Henderson Two Wells, or you can uh, look me up. Uh, thecolinhenderson.com. Also, mm-hmm. I've written this. This is book number six and seven. Wow! So I'm, I'm on Amazon um, as well. And I got two journals as well. So actually, nine works wow. of 
written content that you can you get your hands on. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, what's what's one thing that you've read, seen, or listened to recently that's impacted you? Uh, wow, read, seen, or listened to. Um, uh, I read a, a quote that somebody posted on LinkedIn that that Michael Jordan was asked, you know, why are you so successful? It's like what I really people don't understand is like I make practice harder than games. Mm-hmm. Like I really get after practice, making it so hard on myself. I push myself. So come come game time, it's just easy. You know, so right. how many of us, this is called uh, having a fixed versus a growth mindset. This is shout out to, to Carol Dweck at Stanford. A lot of performers, they just want the easy route. They don't want to be challenged. They don't want feedback. They want to, you know, and all just turn on in games. No, let's make this stuff hard. Let's not be afraid to fail. Let's push ourselves. So when it comes time to perform, man, we've, we've been there, done that. We get to just be total release and be free and just love it. Let's love to play. Let's be fully engaged and do it because we love it, because we want to be great, not because someone's making us be, be great, right? That's right. That's right. Well, Colin, man, it's been a blast to have you on here. I said, let's go all the time. And my wife gets on to me. So I'm thankful that you said, let's go as well. I'm like, let's go. She's like, you got to stop saying that. I'm like, never, never. I, I love let's go because it's plural. It's not I go, you go. It's us. Let's let's go together. And, and it means action. Right. right. Uh, how about this? As you wrap up, what was your biggest learning from today that you did not get prior to this meeting that you're going to utilize as a parent? Right. That's good. I think for me, you know, you say all the time that, uh, Kids don't do what you say, they do what you do. Uh, and I find myself constantly with my little girl who's two, right? She does something wrong. I want to show her how to fix it, how I would fix it, right? Like tell her what to do instead of help just coach her on how to fix it, right? Like see her do it on her own. And so like when she's picking up her toys, instead of asking her to help me, I just want to pick them up because it's faster and I don't have to deal with talking to her. But if I just slow down, and speak truth to her and how to do that simple task, she can do it on her own. So I think that whole modeling what I want to be true of her for her, instead of just hoping that it happens. Yeah. And parents quickly forget, you know, what it felt like to be a kid. Mm-hmm. Don't you want your boss micromanaging your every single move in your performance? Well then mm-hmm. stop doing that to your kids. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Be, be the leader that you, that you want to see in others and it starts at home. That's good. So, hey, great work, man. Uh, parent points, pointers. What's up, pointers? You guys good? <laughs> there we go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Let's go. Actually, don't be a pointer. Point it back at yourself. You know. What I'm That's right. That's right. Well, man, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, the here on the mission, the mission of this podcast is to help parents realize and accomplish this truth that they are the primary disciple makers of your students. I know, parents, that you were encouraged today. We're equipped today, uh, and we just thank you, Colin, for being a part. So, go, parents and parent like you never have before.